It wouldn't be Halloween without trick-or-treating, a tradition that goes back centuries, but became super popular with the proliferation of mass-produced candy. As more folks got into the festivities, so did parents' anxieties over their kids' candy being poisoned by wicked strangers. But for all the fear-mongering out there, over the past hundred years, there have only been a handful of cases involving kids being hurt or killed by tainted treats. And it was usually the kids' own parents who did the dastardly deed. That's right, folks. The person most likely to poison your kids' Halloween candy is you. Today, we're taking a look at real-life Halloween candy horror stories. The few cases that made parents want to x-ray their kids' bag of treats at hospitals every year. Plus, Bro's film director, Nicholas Stoller, agrees with the film star Billy Eichner that homophobia is hurting their box office sales. And farewell to icon Angela Lansbury, star of many Disney films, Broadway shows, and Murder, She Wrote on television, she passed away at the age of 96. I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. And this is Feast of Fun. Trico tree, Halloween. Come on, sing along, Mark. Uh, Trico tree, Halloween. Dame chavo y no money. No te esconda que te vi en la casa como un coqui. Halloween. Trico tree, no sé cómo de vestir. Mil sorpresas por ahí pa asustar los niños. Sí. You did not sing that at every door you went to. No, we just knew the first half, but there the actually is full lyrics to the Halloween chant. The kids in Puerto Rico used to do when I was growing up. I don't know that they still do it to this day because I don't live in Puerto Rico anymore. But listeners out there, fill me in. Did you guys say this? So let's translate it. So Halloween, trick or treat, give me money, not nuts, not peanuts. Okay. Don't hide. I see you ah. in the house like a little coquille, like a little frog. Mm-hmm. Halloween, I don't know what to wear. Thousands of sp- surprises to scare all the little kids, so beware. Ooh. <laughs> we had it easier. It was just uh, happy Halloween, trick or treat, give me something good to eat, smell give my feet. Give me candy, give yeah. us cake, give us something sweet to take. Oh, we didn't say that. Give us. Nobody uh, gave out cake. Well, they used to, you know, before the big candy came along and <laughs> fucked everything up, including daylight savings, which, by the way, um, as I understand, didn't we vote to undo daylight I savings? I think this might be the last one coming up. This may be the last one. I think so. Thank God. I hate mm-hmm. daylight savings. Do you it, guys hate daylight it, savings? It was supposed to be for the farmers, but also big candy was in on it. The too, candy right? cartel. So the yeah. candy manufacturers started getting muscling into Halloween in the 1950s. And they were like, hey, why not? Why America? Why make candy apples and treats and stuff? Why don't you buy our candy? And then you can just get drunk, watch, you know, the the great, it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown on television and give out this shit and, and call it a night. But what happened was they, it was so lucrative that they lobbied the U.S. federal government to extend daylight savings a week after Halloween. That's how mm. you can always remember. It's after Halloween. That's going to happen next week after Halloween. So it's going to be the first week in November. Like That's daylight weeks. savings. You fall back uh, and, and uh, you know, you move your clocks back an hour the week after Halloween. And so they, they, they extended it past Halloween. So there would be an hour more of daylight because they would be able to sell 
and consume more Halloween candy. Because more kids would go out. More and, candy equals more money, honey. Because mm-hmm. I, I forget what the numbers are for this year, but it's like, you know, people spend uh, millions and millions of dollars on Halloween candy. Yeah. In fact, they buy them now. Like we were, Hol- we were at yeah. uh, one of those big box merchant stores mm-hmm. and I saw half of people's grocery carts filled with Halloween candy. I was, I looked at the woman and I said, honey, you know that Halloween candy will not survive till Halloween. And she looked at me and said, so what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's the thing. That's why I don't buy it. I don't bring it into the house because we'll eat it. Yeah. What's your favorite Halloween candy? Uh, My favorite is usually, gosh, what is it? I like Snickers. Skittles and Kit Kat. Yeah. Kit Kats are good too. Or as we call them as kids, kid cut. Really? Because <laughs> we'd be like, well, listen, you know, they could hide razor blades in that Kit Kat and you could die. So make sure to let me test it for you first. Oh, and let me eat it. Let me eat it first to make sure that it's not poisonous. And then you can have the other. Two well, sticks. as the youngest yeah. of eight kids, I always had to hide my Halloween candy. You and did? I, oh, yeah. Otherwise, my older brothers and sisters would devour it. But I mean, we filled in, you know, big. I know, but filled. I was a gluttonous little kid. Oh my god, that was all for me. How much? How much do you think the Halloween candy you got in one night on a good night weighed? Like at least five pounds, right? Oh, uh, I don't know if it was that much. I think even sometimes we would stop back home and yeah. drop some off and, and start again. Oh, <laughs> well, I grew you up did in, in shifts. I I grew up in a subdivision, so my friends who lived out in the country, <laughs> uh, they would come and spend the night usually on Halloween at my house. And then we'd go trick-or-treating together and yeah. just go to all the neighbors. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, we'd run across their lawns and we'd, just, we'd run to – we would hit up every house in the subdivision. Wow. And then sometimes we would even go up uh, beyond the subdivision to the townhomes because it was – we were like the, – the doors are only like 10 feet apart. <laughs> yeah, that happened in, in Puerto Rico. We lived in one neighborhood, but my uh, half-brother, but which considered him an uncle, um, Gonzalito mm-hmm. and his kids – uh, lived in in kind of like a the first suburban subdivision, so had more Americanized families that understood the concept of giving out mm-hmm. candy. Now in Puerto Rico, in, in our home, there would be people that knocking on the door, and the mother would be like, "Um, you know, I know the kids want candy, but can you give us like rice and beans or some food and stuff like that?" And my mother was like, "Uh, here's some peanut butter and Triscuit." What? Yeah. I remember that very vividly, like families just being like, look, we're just starving. You know, if you can give us any food, that would be great. And it was really heartbreaking, you know, because it was like. That's really sad. There was a lot of poverty then and there is now. And and parents were like, well, let's take advantage of this night and see if we can feed our kids. Well, what kind of candy do you give out in Puerto Rico? Uh, you know, the, the typical, you know, the department American store, stuff. American stuff. You know, I always like the Skittles. I like the little Kit Kat, of course. And but, you know. As kids, uh, we also got a lot of Puerto Rican candy, like uh, dulce de anjonjoli, which is sesame seed candy. I like that. Um, gofio, which was awful. It was toasted cornmeal mixed with powdered sugar, and you would stick it in your mouth. Kind of like the um, the uh, cinnamon sticks. challenge, cinnamon challenge that mm-hmm. you saw on the internet where people stick cinnamon in their mouth, and they're uh, trying to see if their saliva can overcome it. And so it just spits it out, and you're supposed to be able to try to put it in your mouth and say, go feel. And of course it all comes out spitting out. That's crazy. Yeah. And then there's of course, you know, um, candied papaya, dulce de papaya, so, candy, coconut, candied sweet potato and, you know, and tamarind candy, which was like 
Ew. But you like tamarind now as an adult. Yeah, I like it in food. You right. know, like I like tamarind sauce in Thai food, but mm-hmm. I still don't think of tamarind as a like a a candy you want. It's eat. like, you know, having a chicken satay. <laughs> <laughs> I love chicken satay, mm-hmm. but you know, when you're going trick or treating and you want Halloween candy, you want the good stuff. You know? The weird stuff we would yeah. get that's like wasn't candy was, uh, you know, stuff of it was still good was popcorn balls. They would make it caramel popcorn balls. And they never some, knew how to make them. Well, sometimes they knew how to make them. And sometimes yeah. they were just like, it was like you were biting into a rock, right? Because the, yeah. ca- the candy was uh, overcooked. And then people would give you ap- apples and you'd yeah. be like, oh, an apple. They're also heavy. And then, of course, you got to look for razor blades in them. Yeah. So and then pennies. Them. They would give you pennies. Why would it, Why do people still give out pennies? It's like loose change. I, don't just, know. I think part of it is that they're trying to kill kids. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you throw in some loose change. You're like, well, I thought the kids can buy some their own and candy. If, and if people had, if they were giving out big size candy bars or some kind of good candy, sometimes you would go back. Yeah. And you'd be like, you were just here. Weren't you just here? Like. No, that was somebody else. <laughs> you would you would modify your costume. So it was like, because my, my friend Miguel did that. He would like, uh, expect, this is after the movie E.T. Mm-hmm. Where the, you know, there's a scene where they're going trick-or-treating and Elliot has a hoodie, you know. And so my friend Miguel did his costume and then he would take his hoodie off and he looked slightly different. Ah. And then he would ma- mush up his makeup. So he went from skeleton with a hoodie, like a... Actually, like the little kid in Coco, mm-hmm. and then take the hoodie off, smush up his makeup, and then be like, I'm a zombie. Ooh. And then do it all over again. And you're like, I got the plus size Snickers bars. He was really, really clever, mm-hmm. you know? He was really smart about getting a lot yeah. of candy. And, and he was the kind of kid that, like, you know, his mom forced him to put the candy in the freezer. My mom got that idea from her, too. And so we were just like, can we please have some candy? And she's like, not until you do your homework. Oh. And we're like, boo. And the worst candy to get uh, was probably the circus peanuts. People that gave you circus oh, peanuts yeah. were just, they're awful people. What is circus peanuts? Well, it's kind of like the sponge candy, foamy yeah. kind of thing, uh, but it tastes like a peanut. Yeah. yeah. And they were just called circus peanuts. Uh, I was, you know, a lot of people hate candy corn. I'm not, a, I don't. Think it's the best candy out there, but I don't hate it. I don't yeah. have that revulsion like, uh, like you do. Salt, a peanut butter taffy. Oh, I love those nasty things. shit. Oh, the ones Ugh. that came in the orange wrappers. Oh, oh. orange and black wrappers. Nasty. To this day, when I see it, I'm just like, you really hate kids. I I loved it. <laughs> it you know, you've heard that expression with Winston or that urban legend of Winston Churchill met one of his critics, mm-hmm. and a woman said, "It's like if you were my husband." I poison your tea. Mm-hmm. And he said, Madam, if I was your husband, I'd drink it. <laughs> and that's sometimes like how we yeah. felt at Halloween because like my mother would like, you know, take our bag of candy and put it in the freezer and be like, Why didn't you hide it from her? Well, because she was there, you know, she, we were kids. Wait, I mean, you we got- didn't just walk, go trick or treating by ourselves. You didn't? No, we we, we had. We what about when you were like in fifth or sixth or seventh? Well, I mean, or as we got older, yeah, yeah but yeah. then we were too old to go trick or treating, you know. So it was like, but as kids, my mother would take the the candy, put it in the freezer, and we're like screaming, we're like, "Oh, why are you killing us?" Ah, you know. And you know, and then I grew up in the as you guys uh, when there was like public service announcement on television is like Halloween is coming. Make sure you you inspect your children's candy for razor blades 
or poison. Well, yeah, because that's, that's especially that cyanide scare where the person uh, poisoned five bottles of Tylenol here in Chicago in what was it, the 80s? That really 1982. Just, uh, just cranked everything up, the paranoia over that. And now we have all this childproof tampering on everything. They made it a federal c- crime to tamper with uh, prescription medication. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember as a kid... Like they were like, you know, C- CNN and all this shit, like, you know, the, the news media was like, if your candy tastes like almonds, it's probably laced with cyanide. <laughs> and I was like, well, what about almond flavored candy? You know, right. So they were like, cyanide tastes like almonds. That reminds me of the Jodie Foster movie, The Little Girl Down the Lane, and she poisons people with almond cookies. Well, that also happened in Flowers in the Attic, too. The, the mother was uh, killing the kids. I don't remember the plot of I it, but know. I remember very clearly that there was like <laughs> there were brothers, sisters, and lovers, yeah. weren't there? There were lovers, and yeah, they were. But the but the evil mother or the evil parent uh, was killing the kids by putting uh, cyanide in the powdered sugar that they served in the cookies, and the kids Ooh. got sicker and sicker, and then they died. Ooh. Fifth, uh, fifth element, or no, fifth, uh, the sixth sense is that one? Where yeah, the kid, uh, the the. The, para, the mother, the mother poisons the daughter. The mother poisons the daughter by putting fluid into the soup, like pine saw, pine saw or something. And then the, the ghost of the daughter uh, gives films herself being killed by her stepmother mm-hmm. and gives it to Joel Ailey Osment, mm-hmm. and he gives the 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 videotape to the parents, and they discover that at, at the at the wake for the girl. Mm-hmm. And you creepy, know, creepy. Yeah. So well, Munchausen by proxy, right? Munch- oh, and so many movies. And uh, the most recent one was uh, with uh, Paul. Was it herself? Paula the, from from American Horror Story. Uh, she played the mother who poisons her daughter and her daughter slowly starts to discover that she's being uh, poisoned. And she goes to the pharmacist with um with the medication. And the pharmacist is like, this is not for humans. This is for dogs Ooh. and the mother comes in Paul Sarah Paulson that's it Sarah yeah. Paulson and so she comes in and she's just like she's like trying to get away from her and finally you know they do catch her oh yeah and the tables get turned and after seeing that like I know people who are that way and I'm surprised you know that well more... not to that extent yeah but there are a lot of parents that uh, try and get some attention from they're like oh they're sick kids but I know people I know enough people have that mindset of like wanting to get attention by harming themselves or others that I'm surprised that more people don't mess with their kids. Halloween candy. Well, in all the cases that come up most of the time, they are hoaxes or it's parents who do it themselves, you know, put razor blades or pin needles in these things. Yeah. The, cha- the odds are the person who's going to hurt your kids is you, <laughs> which is, you know, cause I always hear that people tell me during the Halloween, they're like, Oh, you know, I'm worried about my kids. I was like, well, if, are you going to poison your kids? Then mm. you don't have nothing to, to fear, really. Well, there was one guy who actually yeah. did put like needles in a candy bar. And I guess some kid did get hurt. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have, even have to go to the hospital. But the guy the guy was arrested and I think eventually sent to a, a mental hospital because he was clearly like not well in the head. Now, the, there are real cases of, of people's kids being poisoned or being hurt by tainted Halloween candy. And historically, the the first documented one is uh, Helen Feel in uh, Greenlawn, New York, in 1964. She was pissed off that older kids were coming by her door without costumes, 
and um and you know 18 19 20 year old kids you know mm-hmm. and so she uh took ant poison and wrote poison on it with a skull and crossbones and handed that out and says uh, here's some poison stuff, candy. Go away. Well, it was the ant poison, right? Yeah. So the ants would take it. And so I think she was like, and she also gave out dog biscuits. So she, these were things that she thought the kids would be like realize and yeah. be like, oh, so this is what, you know, I'm not going to eat this. But, you know, the police weren't too happy about that. She gave out steel wool pads. <laughs> uh, you know, so so she was clearly like giving away things. So, you know, if, if kids are knocking on your door and you don't want to give them candy, just turn off the lights. Yeah. You know, Don't and get home. a garden hose to wash down the eggs in front of your house. Did you ever have a house? Never. No, no, we were not that kind of. No, kids. we didn't. Toil- <laughs> I did see people's uh, toilet paper uh, uh, trees, though. You did, we, yeah. we didn't do that, though. So, so you know, so that was the, that. And, the, you know, in in um, in 19, the, the, the first real case and the one I guess the, the L.A. Times did some research and found out that only two kids in the history of Halloween candy being passed out by strangers have ever been killed. And so the first one is uh, Timothy O'Brien, who was poisoned by his own father, uh, Ronald Clark O'Brien, who had put out a life insurance policy on his son for $40,000 and put cyanide lace pixie sticks in candy and passed it on to all, both his children, his five-year-old daughter and his eight-year-old son and uh, five other children. Um, and it became a media sensation. And then the, he was known as the man who killed Halloween. Ooh. Uh, but was, the other kids yeah. didn't take it, right? So the other kids old. didn't take it, but the, 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 the one kid died and the police found the bags of candy and was able to you know, intervene in time. Um, so other kids could have been killed as well. And, you know, and, and, and part of that is like, you know, he was executed through lethal injection in 1984. So a decade later, um, but I imagine that like every year they'd be like the media would interview him or t- do m- news stories or so he was like, a, you know, he was like the Jeffrey Dahmer of Halloween candy, you know. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that was a messed up father who killed his son. And then the other one was uh, parents trying to cover up an uncle leaving out a pills of heroin. So it was a, another kid, uh, Kevin Totson, uh, who was a five year old in 1970. Um, found uh, his uncle's heroin and it, it was had in the habit of swallowing whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the parents are like, what do we do? What do we do? So they took the uncle's uh, heroin and sprinkled on his candy to make it look like it was a neighbor or somebody who had given away poison candy. Oh, that's so but, sad. But they found out and, you know, I'm sure that like, you know, a lot of parents, uh, you know, I guess, they, you know, I'm sure they went to prison. I'm not sure exactly what happened to them. but mm. And then in 1956, a dentist tried to teach kids a lesson uh, by giving out uh, candy that was chocolate candy uh, tainted with laxatives. <laughs> so you got a bunch of kids who are shitting? Shitting on their pants, yeah. Oh, Jesus. And you get 450 pieces of candy to kids. That's a lot of candy. That's a lot of kids. Yeah. I mean, in our neighborhood, you know, there's... Thousands, thousands of, of kids that come. One around, guy says he know? buys two thousand units because we were kind of like, oh my god, what shitty candy you're giving out to? And we gave him a little shade. He's just like, listen, I got to buy two thousand units. I mean, these people spend, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars, thousand dollars on candy to, to, for all these kids to come into the neighborhood. Is it is it a bad idea to to go to the hospital or a police station and get your candy, you know, scanned for metal? 
I think it's uh, probably a little over the top. Over the top. But, you know, it happens enough. You know, I don't. <laughs> the whole point of this is that it doesn't happen that much. But, you know, I guess I, you just break the. I, I would say just breaking the candy before you mm-hmm. eat it is, is a good idea. I think my brothers and I, I think we put a razor blade into an apple at one point in time just to, to see what if to you could see hide what, it. To see what it was like. And it's always pretty obvious that there's some kind of razor blade sticking out of there. Did you ever like try to like put something gross? Into a candy wrapper and give it to your sisters or brothers. I don't think so. Did you? No. But well, I remember one time it was you know those movies like that were on tele in the 1980s like Porky's Car Wash. Mm-hmm. Um, there was always like a prank being pulled, and so I remember one uh, time I was visiting my cousin, and I was in the bathroom and I just peed into a cup, <laughs> and I went up to her with a devilish grin and you know couldn't contain my laughter like, and i would was you like, like some warm lemonade <laughs> i was like would you like some apple juice it's really warm <laughs> and she knew I, and she at the minute she, she's like what and she was like get away from me you disgusting <laughs> i think a bunch of us boys once peed into like a thing and we tried to convince somebody it was lemonade really? did they drink it no they knew i think it was the movie um what was it i think it was a leslie nielsen film where he sticks his finger in a urine sample and then switches over with the other finger, you know, and, and um, to taste it. And the other person doesn't realize it. And, and so I thought that was just so funny. And so, you know, oh, my God, he tricked her into tasting urine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, I would say, like, pretty much you're safe. Don't worry about it. Well, look at your stuff and see. Yeah. I mean, break it in half. You're more likely to die from a drunk driver on Halloween than anything at all. That's right. It's uh, the number one I cause guess, of death. Number one cause of death on Halloween is is a car hitting your kids. Mm. So be careful. Yeah, I don't sound like Debbie Downer. <laughs> Do you guys know that the number one cause of death for kids on Halloween is drunk drivers? What are you going for as Halloween this year? Well, I really want to be uh, dressed up as a piñata because I like getting beat. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. With a stick. Mm. But, I could do that. But, uh, but I, you know, you always like doing the unitard skeleton stuff. That's always, it's very slimming dressing as a skeleton. Yeah, because you look like skin and bones. Yeah. Or exactly. bones. Just most, bones. Just bones. Just bones. It is, it, it, you get more action if you're dressed up as a skeleton than a piñata. Well, it's also fun when you just have like a bodysuit on so people can see your form. I do feel like a lot of people, um, it's their first time in drag. And a lot of drag queens are born on Halloween. Mm-hmm. So, you know, make it a good one. There's YouTube videos. Don't try to be pretty. Try to be wild. <laughs> I am so sick of pretty well, you drag can, queens. You can also hire a drag queen to do your makeup for you if you really want to be pretty and to get it. But, you know, expect to pay top dollar because that's a uh, that's a high holiday. And most drag queens are either working or they're painting somebody. and Or maybe they're taking the night off because they're just like, I've been doing drag all month. Is it okay for people to like, you know, dress up in offensive, problematic, as the kids say, or harmful? You know, I'm thinking like, you know, blackface. You can wear on Halloween anything. (laughs) I give everyone out there permission to wear anything that they want for Halloween. But with the caveat, you might not like the reaction you get from people. That's right. Yeah. And so that's the thing. I'm not going to please people's words. I'm not going to please what they're wearing. But just re- just remember, 
you might not like the reaction you get from somebody. So if you want to dress as Jeffrey Dahmer for Halloween, go right ahead and dress as Jeffrey Dahmer for Halloween. Someone's going to dress up as Jeffrey Dahmer this year because of the TV series. Because of the TV series. Yeah. But also, yeah, like in Chicago or Milwaukee where it kind of, you know, where his hunting grounds and many of his victims' families live, that would not go over too well. I mean, we know people who know people who got yes. killed by Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes. You know, one degree we know, of separation. We know people who were, you know— uh, Jeffrey Dahmer invited them to come back to their, his home with them, that, that kind of thing. So it, it's it's close to home here. And, you know, I watched the Jeffrey Dahmer thing on Netflix because I'm just like, well, if I can watch the Ted Bundy, if I can watch the Zodiac murders, I, I can watch this kind of thing. But this was really next level, like, violence, especially those first two episodes. Now, it's 10 episodes total, and if you really just wanted to focus on, like, the impact on the victims, you could start at episode 7. And just seven, eight, and nine, ten, and see that. And you won't see as much violence, but there is still some violence. But it does focus on the people who, uh, you know, survived and the people who uh, were victimized by him. But, you know, like you know people that met and yes. were seduced or attentively seduced yes. by Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes. And what is it that they tell you? Well, one guy that I knew, his name was Frankie, and he was a, um, I'm not really sure exactly what he did at the L&L Tavern. I feel like he that was, was a, a place where yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer hang, yeah, hung it was, out. It's often it been voted as the best dive bar in Chicago. A lot, not, like, not for his victims. <laughs> no. But when I first moved to Chicago, it was a place where a lot of actors hung out. Because okay. it was on Belmont and Clark. There were some theaters nearby. It was cheap drinks uh, in a pretty good environment. And Frankie, he was Filipino, and he often, like, cleared the tables and stuff, but he often just sat at the bar and drank. So I don't know if they just gave him free drinks or if he actually worked there. I wasn't really—I never quite understood that. But he told me—and this would have been probably four or five years after, you know, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer was was there. And he said he just never understood why anybody would ever go home with him because he was, uh, you know, just smelled. He was dirty. He smelled like— Death. Well, he, he smelled like urine. Yeah, he was unclean and he would talk to the ceiling. He's like, there'd be flies buzzing around him. I'm just like, well, you know, a lot of times he drugged people. And as we know, people with, you know, are with mental health or even your own mental health. Some days you have good days and some days you have bad days. Yeah, I'm surprised that, you know, in the in the age of like hookup apps, mm -hmm. you know, or they call them they like to call themselves dating apps. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you open up an app and go to a random stranger's house for sex, that there hasn't been more violence or any mm. kind of violence. I mean, there, that there, we see reported. Yeah. You know, I mean, there. I mean, there's a few cases every year, of course, that people are getting beaten up or or even murdered mm -hmm. from from using these apps. Uh, so you just you really have to be careful. That's why I was usually, if I don't know who you are, I'm meeting you outside. You meet them on no, the front but, steps. I get Starbucks. I give them the address next door, <laughs> and the next door neighbor's like. I keep getting guys sucking my dick. I have no idea why. <laughs> well, no, I go outside and I meet them. And they're just like, well, that's a smart idea. I'm like, yeah, because you just you just never know. And then also, too, if they're a flake, yeah. then they don't know where you live. What's a good Halloween costume to wear if you want to get laid? Well, like if you want sexual action, like a lot, because I talk to people and they're all like, oh, I'm going trick or treating and I'm going to have sex with a stranger. Ooh, so exciting. And you're like, uh, you could do that anytime. <laughs> but for a lot of people, well, like, you always you know, get, yeah. Halloween always gets you kind of horny. You always think you're going to hook up with somebody on Halloween. And how often, I'm a werewolf. how often do you really actually end up hooking up with somebody on Halloween? Not very Every often. Every single time. Not very often. <laughs> I'm lying. Not very often. And so it's <laughs> yeah. one of those things. It's, you know, 
dress sexy. If you're dress a gay sexy. man, you don't have to wear much at all. Just put on like a skin, skin. skin. But Show the problem skin. is that like, you know, Halloween takes place in the fall and most places in North America are freezing. Wear a jacket. We're going to be in Austin, Texas for, for Halloween, uh, visiting my mom. Uh, who's in assisted living. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're going to sell early in the day. We're going to go to the uh, nursing home and celebrate with the elderly. And then we're going to dress sexy and go out to the clubs, honey. We'll go trick or treating. Yes. What's in your bag? Uh, my dick. Let's see. <laughs> and so, uh, you Stick know, it'll be in your mouth. And I think it's not going to hurt you. This will be much. the time that I've only ever been in Halloween during in, like warm weather. I mean, I know the so most nice. like in here in Chicago, it's like, Warm weather, you're looking at, like, if it's 50 degrees, you know? Well, we were dressed one year as the where the wild things are monsters. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, you and me. Uh, you were the, the, the most recognizable Carol. one. Carol with the horns. I was the one, the pretty one you with the, the woman. Blonde, the, the, the hair. Mm -hmm. And then Curtis Jensen was the goat. And Michael Leott was the bull. Yes. And, and we had... Um, uh, we had a friend who was the little Max in the little white costume, yes. right? And, and he, he got drunk and passed out. Passed out. And so we ran into Steve Grand at a party. Back then, nobody knew who he was. And we're like, we're making you our new king. Well, because he was dressed as a football player who was yeah. all in white. And so yeah. we put the crown on him and then had a photo taken with him. And people were like, I can't believe that Steve Grand was your Max. And I'm like, yeah, he was. He was begging for it. <laughs> Where the wild things are, indeed. But I didn't get any. I mean, no. we were, we put on those fursuits. We made those fursuits because it's so cold outside in Chicago mm -hmm. sometimes. You're like so grateful to have something But it was warm. kind of warm that year a little bit. A little I, think. A little I feel like I was yeah. sweating in that it was, thing. It was hot. You yes. Know? And we're, so we would unzip and but that you know suits, that that uh, costume's been recycled a couple of different times since. I've done Krampus. I've done uh, where the wild things are now a few times now. So. so so I'm really excited. If you guys are listening to the show, want to hang out with us or invite us to your Halloween parties, mm -hmm. uh, just message us on Facebook or Instagram, yeah. Fausto Fernos or Mark Felian with yes. a C. I'll bring the treats and the tricks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring the bag full of candy mm. and you can eat as much as you like. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. But I was trying to think of like yeah. what the hot Halloween costume is for this year. I think people will still kind of like maybe go as Karen's. Ugh. <laughs> Just have a phone in a weird way. Is that enough? I, we one time uh, went as uh, somebody who had died, who had uh their phone exploded. Oh yeah, in their ears because the Samsung phones were exploding. The Samsung's photos <laughs> exploded, and I show that to people all the time, and they're like, "That's so funny. That's so brilliant. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, why don't you do that again?" I was like, "Well, it was topical. It was seasonal." Yeah, I don't know if people would get it at the time. Yeah, yeah. So you know, um, one thing that is really scary and terrifying is people on social media fighting with each other. And Always. nothing gets people uh, agitated recently has been, what is it, a black mermaid with Lizzo taking a knee while playing a crystal flute that belonged to James Madison. And as Velma. As Velma, yeah. A black <laughs> Lesbian Velma. Velma. Lesbian Velma, yes. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, why do you have to mess I with I mean, things? if you could do that Halloween costume, that would be pretty good, but it's a lot of explaining. Somebody's going to do that one. So yeah. you can guarantee that there's going to be a Lizzo Velma with a crystal flute. Taking a knee. But, you know, um, right now, the thing that's still dominating people's conversations is arguments over the movie Bros, mm -hmm. which Mark and I went to see. And we thought it was 
it felt like a parody of gay movies as much as it was a gay movie. Mm. Like those, you know, these movies were films that mostly aired at gay and lesbian film festivals in the nineties and early two thousands. Uh, a lot of them had topics of homophobia or coming out or the AIDS crisis. I started watching Jeffrey recently mm-hmm. with Patrick Stewart in it from Star Captain Trek. Captain Picard. Captain Picard playing gay. Woo. And the premise of Jeffrey, the title character, is that he stops having sex because he's worried he's going to catch HIV and develop AIDS and mm-hmm. die. And so it's a, it's a, yet it's a sex farce, you know? So he meets a really hot guy at the gym and when he's spotting him, it's like he's orgasming. Ooh. He's like, you want another set? And he's like, yeah, you can do it, man. Uh, uh, you know. It doesn't take much to get him off, huh? It doesn't take much to get him off. And Patrick Stewart is like his friend who's a designer. And he's like really, really gay. And he's giving him advice on living his best life. And, you know, it wasn't that like today. It doesn't hold to being funny. Like I'm watching this and I was like, eh, I never saw it in movie theaters because everybody thought, said it was kind of corny. And that the criticisms that were directed at the movie Jeffrey are being, you know, rewritten and attra- attached to bros, which I don't think is fair because the film really isn't about necessarily, it, you know, it does center around Billy Eichner's character, which is a flawed character. He's an unlikable protagonist who's self-centered, like Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Um, but in unlike Jeffrey, all the jokes land. They're really funny. They're, they're making as much fun of this type of film and Hallmark movies and the sentimentality and the earnestness that gay films usually have. And it has a really diverse cast who are, you know, qualifying for Screen Actor Guild uh, cards and healthcare because of their appearance in this film. And... Like all the conversation, including the filmmaker, now the director uh, just came out this week and said, not on National Coming Out Day, but <laughs> no, came out and said, you know, the th- reason the movie's suffering at the box office was is homophobia. Well, straight people are not coming to see the film. Yeah. He said they've done the research and the people that have showed up to see the film are gay men, you know, and that's the, I guess that's the, the, the appeal of the movie is, is to gay men. So a straight person or a straight woman, there's going to look at this film and be like, it's not necessarily going to speak to me. So I don't really care to see it, but you know, it's people are also just not going to the movies like they were pre pandemic. Right. You know, people are worried about getting sick. They're worried about spending the money. I mean, we went and saw the movie with our friend and he bought senior citizen tickets because he's older. And so they're only like 12 bucks, but otherwise you'd be like 14, 15 bucks to see a movie. Yeah, sometimes even 20, you yeah. know, and, and it's and part of that is like in the era of streaming where so many box office releases also get simultaneously streamed mm-hmm. uh, for purchase online. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, the numbers mm-hmm. are, are not making sense. So, you know, so for the filmmakers, yeah. they spent 22 million to make bros. And if you look at the movies that came out that weekend, um, bros was right there in the top five of, of movies that made money. So. But it wasn't, it still wasn't enough. Well, and, and so you go to the hyphen numbers.com, which is a website that collects all the data mm-hmm. of films, what they made opening weekend, the production budget, the domestic and worldwide box office. And bros is doing really, really well for a movie that has LGBTQ characters or plot lines. So in, in terms of that, it ranks number 34 in its box office 
uh, poll on opening weekend. So Historically. Like, what's number one for a gay film then? Uh, X-Men First Class. What? Because it has gay, gay characters in it. Oh, please. Uh, number Next. two is Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, and he was, yeah. And then that movie, they made him like incidentally bisexual. They yeah. mostly focused on his, his, his wife in that movie. Uh, Big Daddy. I'm not familiar with Big that movie. Daddy. Uh, Power Rangers. What? Uh, Birds of Prey. Uh, Anchorman. Starsky and Hutch. The parody. Not the. Tropic Thunder. Rocket these Man. These are all gay films? Well, these are movies with gay plot lines or gay characters in them. Scary Movie 2. Friends with Benefits. The the one that, that um is a, gay, a movie with gay characters front and center with gay actors is The Birdcage. Mm. Which... Uh, Brought 18,000. Was, was Nathan Lane out at the time of the birdcage? I don't know. If he was. <laughs> I don't know if he was ever in the closet, but yeah. uh, 18,000, 18 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, it brought in its opening weekend. Um, to compare that, you know, um, Bros brought in about five, what was 4. it? 4.8 million. 4.8 million, you know, 5 million. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, the movies that were alongside it that came out that weekend also brought about the same m- amount of money. So it it didn't do it didn't bomb necessarily because bomb would be in the top twenty you know it, it was in the top five. Well, they consider it a bomb. So I'm going to go ahead and say with the director and the actors thing that it's a bomb. I'm gonna, Are you going to trust I'm, anything? I'm going to agree with them. Uh, corporate media or Hollywood tells you so because because they may be this is this is the weirdest thing that I'm observing. They may be trying to basically like. You know, you think it's a reverse psychology, reverse psychology. They're trying to be basically like people to like, go see this movie because otherwise it's suffering and all this stuff. And I'm like, this movie is going to make its money back. It's going it's already made half of its budget back. Well, I think that the movie has legs and people will enjoy it once it starts streaming and they'll be like, oh, I'll see this movie if it was in the theaters. Why didn't I see it? I should have seen it. And, you know, and part of me is like, and people are just like, I want to see more representation or this doesn't really change things or people are turning into a civil rights issue. And I'm just like, it's a movie. You know, if you don't want to see it, don't go see it. But what bothers me more is the divisiveness that is occurring around, you know, Scooby-Doo or The Little Mermaid or, you know, Bros or whatever it is where people are like literally ending friendships and relationships Mm -hmm. for a movie they like. And well, making sure that other people don't see movies that their friends and family like. Well, like social media, like Facebook and uh, things shows you things that are divisive because they want people to engage with it. They want people to take sides. They want people to argue about these things. Yeah. And that now, unfortunately, is part of marketing for all sorts of brands is to fight about things. It does bother me to see people that I know who haven't seen the film mm-hmm. either one lie about seeing it because they don't aren't able you to talk. Don't Hold on, know. I, I'm not saying that they're they are lying or not. I'm just saying that they don't have any detailed information about the film. Mm. So when they I ask them, it's like, well, what is it that you didn't like about it? They all they can talk about is what the trailer has. They don't go in depth about this scene or that scene or this mm-hmm. character or that character. So that to me makes me think either they walked out or they never saw the film in the first place because they don't have any information about the movie Mm -hmm. to criticize it or uh, people just, you know, going out of their way to tell people don't go see this movie because it's hurting us. And I'm like, you know, bros, for all its flaws, all its shortcomings, whatever it is, is not hurting anybody. No, this is just a movie. It it gives T.S. Madison the ability to get, you know, health care through the Screen Actors Guild. A lot of uh, actors of color, this is their breakthrough. This is their first 
film appearance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good. And I think that's a thing to celebrate. And the movie's funny to it's me, a good you film. know, but if it's not funny to you, then that's fine. And move that's on. okay. It's going to be moveon.org. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's, that's the other thing too. It's like, so years ago, uh, we, on this podcast, I designed a, a flag that was a parody of the bear pride flag. Mm-hmm. And I called it the lipstick lesbian flag or the cougar flag. And it was shades of lipstick with a lip on the upper left-hand corner, like the bear paw. And mm-hmm. this, you know, um, trans-exclusionary lesbian uh, hijacked it, passed it off as her own. Uh, and, and, and that evolved to what is the lesbian pride flag today. Now, what's really interesting is that whenever a discussion happens on who designed the flag, they, anyone who's like there is, is going out of their way to exclude me as the creator of that flag. But when there is a, you know, when that flag is also being used as symbol for trans exclusionary lesbians, lesbians who don't see other trans women as part of their group, that's when they want to credit you. That's when they want to cr- well, criticize Well, I still don't understand me. why you're a turf, Fausto. What's I'm going on? I'm not a turf. <laughs> I'm the opposite of turf. Uh, trans women are women. And, and anyone who knows trans women knows if you say something that pisses them off, you'll never live it down. But I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, it, seriously, like, uh, it, it is interesting that people want to erase my contribution to LGBT history in that aspect. And to me, it's like uh, it, it, it's it's an act of violence. It's an act of harm because it's it's this like and, and it kind of makes me think about how we talk about LGBT movies and television programs and podcasts and culture in general is that we're very eager to be critical and to demolish people when we know them. Mm-hmm. And if they were not part of our community, if we're not you know, seeing them as, as, as our extended family, then we're more indifferent or more generous in how we talk about these individuals. And I don't know. It's just like, you know, it's, it's a, a a situation for me to, to reflect on. It's like, uh, I'll, I'll be forever known as the person who didn't design the lesbian pride flag, but did design the turf pride flag, (laughs) which is the same flag. Well, there you go. Maybe someday they'll come up with a different flag that won't be based on your design. Yeah, I would like to see that. And because if you're not going to credit me, then give me back my flag. You stole it. You, uh, you women, <laughs> you ladies out there stole that flag. You culturally appropriated it from only, me. It was like two or three women. Well, they, they no, because other people are, are stealing and then they're, they're passing it off as their own. Oh. So I'm just like, look. That flag would not look the way it is today had I not designed that flag in, I don't know, well, how was it, 20, 2008? It was a really long time ago. 2008. Yeah. I mean, what year Almost are we 20 in? years. Almost 20 years ago. So, you know, give me back my flag or design your own or credit me. That's all I ask. Back when cougars were hot. Yeah, it was on the cover of Time Magazine. Do we even talk about cougars anymore? Not so much, right? Well, because, you know, age is just a number you have to lie about. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, um, you know, amazing. Uh, this year, uh, the Queen of England, she passed away at the age of 96. Right. And Angela Lansbury on National Coming Out Day passed away at the age of 96 as well. That's right. 
Now, for a lot of people, you know, you guys know Angela Lansbury as Mrs. Potts from uh, Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Taylor's oldest time, true at his can be. <laughs> and, and wow, you know, they know her from Murder She Wrote. Murder She Wrote too, which is the sort of the if you were to have like a screening party, Bed knobs and of broomsticks, Golden Girls, you would sh- screen Murder She Wrote. And everybody said that Angela Lansbury uh, wrote this the show, or like it's from her vantage point because. Everyone's like, for a small little town, there's a lot of murders in there. And she's probably the one who's killing everybody. Well, she, she did play Miss Marple in, a, in, in, um, in an Agatha Christie movie, The Mirror Cracked, that starred uh, Liz Taylor. And, and, and she, Miss Marple's the, the murderer? The detective. Oh, the detective. She's the detective. So she has got the detective roots. You so know? did that happen before Murder, She Wrote? No, well before. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, like in the 60s or 70s. Now, her brother, Brad Lansbury, he is somebody who... Uh, did all kinds of crazy television shows, including the new adventures of Wonder Woman, Ooh. which was completely insane. And of course he also produced uh, murder. She wrote, and I guess murder. She wrote was initially offered to somebody else to, um, uh, Edith from all in the family. Oh my God. Can you imagine? I can imagine that. <laughs> Archie, I think I know who killed the, the neighbor. <laughs> so Angela Lansbury, uh, you, you know, met her. Yeah. So so she was uh, in a lot of great films, Gaslight, Manchurian Candidate. In theater, she originated the roles of Mame, Sweeney Todd, Driving Miss Daisy. She's been given Tony uh, and li- Lifetime Tony and Academy Awards. And for all her amazing work on stage and screen, I like to think of her as a spiritual sister to many gay men, especially my spiritual uncle, Terrence McNally. Um, Angela was Terrence McNally's best friend forever. She helped him guide him, overcome a lot of challenges he faced in life. Um, a lot of internalized homophobia he experienced growing up in Corpus Christi in the 1960s. And, you know, it was Terrence who came out to my mom and, and made it so much easier for me to come out mm-hmm. at a young age. And I'm sure a lot of people to come out. Mm-hmm. And they know? were good friends. And they were g- great friends. At, at Terrence's uh, 70th birthday party, we were there, and that's where I met Angela Lansbury. And every senior citizen wanted to have their photo taken with Angela Lansbury. Well, because they'd known her for decades. I mean, she st- first started at the age of 17 in the movie Gaslight, right? And so, yeah. like, and when you look at it, she doesn't look 17. She always played a little bit older. Even when she was like in the Manchurian Candidate, she played somebody's mother and she was really only 10 years older than the, than the actor. Oh, wow. That's in real life. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and Angela Lansbury is somebody who was a hero to, to a lot of seniors because of murder. She wrote, you know, mm-hmm. she's like, she was like their golden girl, their Matlock, you know, <laughs> she was lady Matlock, wasn't she? Yeah. So, so they all adored her. She was so elegant. So she was, you know, one of the last figures of Hollywood's golden age to still be with us. And um, she passed on. She was statuesque. I thought of her as like six feet tall, but mm-hmm. according to the internet, she's five foot eight. But it might, I mean, you know, I have photographs of her standing next to uh, people in my family and she's like at least, a, you know, four or five inches taller. Maybe she was wearing platforms. She must have been wearing like tall she shoes was standing that on day. A step. Yeah. I mean, cause, cause she was. You have a lovely picture of her with Terrence. And you have a picture with her with Doris Roberts. The mother from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody knew Angela Lansbury, and there they would turn to Doris Roberts, who was like hanging on to Angela for dear life. Mm -hmm. 
And they're like, who are you? What are you doing? She's like, have you ever heard of any? And, you know, Doris Roberts in real life had a Broadway actor's voice. Mm. You know? She's like, my dear, have you ever heard of a show called Everybody Loves Raymond? And my mother was like, I don't watch that show. <laughs> oh, my God. My mother had a stroke at the time. So, you know, she was just like laying it out as it is. So it was, it was, it was a fun party. It was great to see somebody who made an impact on somebody I dearly loved. And, you know, forever I'll be grateful to Angela Lansbury and to Terrence McNally. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very sad to, to see somebody who, who uh, passed away. I'm going to have to watch an episode of Murder, She Wrote I know. now. We, we uh, got married um, a while back around the day on uh, October 10th. Well, we got our marriage license. I got our marriage license. So it's been eight years. We'll have eight our anniversary years. coming up at the end of the month. Eight years married, 20 to some other. years together. Happy, happy wedding happy, anniversary or happy marriage anniversary. license anniversary. <laughs> Technically, on our marriage license, it's Halloween. Yes. But but we all those things happened before Halloween. Yeah. And then we posted our wedding video on Halloween. Yes. So we said it was Halloween. And we filed on Halloween, too. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so I went to the clerk and I said, uh, do you see a lot of a lot of happy people, you know, filing for marriage now that marriage equality is a thing? And he's like, oh, honey. You should see them when they're getting divorced. <laughs> they're really happy then. And uh, what? how did we decide to get married that day, Mark? I don't know. I think we were going to go downtown for something. We're like, well. We're getting something notarized downtown. Yes. We, I think we looked at you. Your mom's like, don't get married this year. I want to go to France. And then we're like, okay, we won't. And then we just like looked at it and we're like, hey, we'd save a lot of money on taxes if we just got married. So we did. Well, you had been visiting your family, and I'm I'm always miserable when you're gone. And and we had a dog, and the dog made you be like, oh, we have to be a little family for our dog. And we, yes, because and Jesse also too, I mean, a- we had talked about it. We said it had just become legal in Illinois. Yeah, yeah. that year, and we said we would get married uh, when it became legal in our state because we had known so many gay couples that were like they went to Rhode Island, they went to Hawaii or Vermont, they went to all different sorts of places. We know people who were married five or six times in different jurisdictions because they were just like, well, if we lose this one, we'll lose that one. And I, I sometimes, and I know a couple of those people are no longer married to each other. So it might have been a little overcompensation. Wow. You know? Well, uh, you used to make a joke. It's like, I can't wait to visit Fausto in the hospital. <laughs> and people would be like, boo. Uh, well, that's when uh, Obama had that thing where it was like, you know, your your gay partner or something mm-hmm. could could make a hospital visit or something. It was big news, you know. And, you know, people nowadays, they take that kind of stuff for granted. But it was, you know, part of the reason, you know, when they look at gay marriage and be like, oh, it's so heteronormative. But a lot of that was uh, came out of the AIDS struggle where people lost their partners and they didn't have wills set up uh, because, you know, things just happened so quickly. And then the families just came in, took everything. And, you know, the, the husband was or wife was just thrown out on the streets and didn't get anything. Yeah. I mean, I know so I mean, there's many a people. Huge, there was a huge transfer of wealth out, out of the queer community into the straight community just because of all this death. Yeah. For the AIDS crisis. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and that's definitely been a concern. And it's like. For us, it's stability. Mm. Um, I never thought I would be able to legally marry the love of my life. And, oh. and the fact that we were able to do it. And to this day, I'm like, I always look at people. I'm like, my husband. <laughs> and they're just like, they, they get nervous. Why? 
because they're still internalized because they won't see bros because mm-hmm. <laughs> they had internalized homophobia because it's still a thing. I mean, in this day and age, we, you know, you go to a, somebody's wedding and you go in here with your husband and they introduce you to, as their partner or like their friend. This is Fausto's friend. And I'm just like, I'm married to this guy. You know, I may not have a ring because we lost the ring. It was cheap $10 ring. But you know, I, I, this is the love of my life. This is somebody I have chosen and Mark has chosen. Uh, we've chosen each other to build our lives together. And, and it's something that's worth celebrating and it's extraordinary mm-hmm. because historically we're people who were denied that right. And the fact that we have it and the, and the Supreme Court wants to take it away. Right. You know, if, if abortion is going to not scary to go to the polls this this fall, you know, maybe gay marriage will maybe the thought of getting gay marriage. I mean, they're just away. ready to roll back everything. Yeah. You know, if they can. I mean, we would live in a fascist environment if, if the Republicans had their way about it. And it looks like Missouri is going to go rolling back like it. Missouri state of Missouri is not looking good, you know, but the state of Texas, other uh, if Texas goes blue, that's the end. You know, wow. of, of the Republican Party. So they're they're going to fight it tooth and nail to try to keep it. Yeah. There. And they will. And, and they will. You know, look, we saw at the, the Capitol on January 6th, that kind of stuff. They will bring violence to the table uh, mm-hmm. in order to get their way. It will happen. So, you know, it's it's uh, please go vote, people. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, register to vote. Are you registered, baby? Mm-hmm. Vote, baby, vote. Vote, baby, vote. <laughs> Oh, Are you registered, baby? That's an actual song by Delight. From the 90s. Yeah. Groove is in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, remember, Feast of Fun is made possible because of fierce, fabulous people just like you. We couldn't do the show without your support. So if you are a premium subscriber, a plus subscriber, thank you. Uh, you can access thousands of legendary shows by going to feastoffun.com slash plus. Ad-free experience, because the ads are annoying, you know, you're listening to them and you're like, what the hell, McDonald's, what? <laughs> or you can join us on Patreon, too, for a page, for an ad-free experience at patreon.com slash feastofun. Maybe you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can do that at feastofun.com slash donate. And on our uh, sibling podcast, Let's Grow Big Together, uh, interviews with gay bodybuilders and their friends and allies and uh, their support network. We're going to be talking about nutrition, nutrition, honey, what it takes to eat, to eat things, to get big muscles, eat big. So we're talking to a bodybuilding nutritionist this week who is uh, Jimmy Cook's personal trainer. Yes. And that was really interesting. Jimmy Cook. What a fast, fascinating guy. I've heard. Sexy. Uh, yeah. Smart. He's uh, been getting a lot of attention on social media because of his appearance oh, yeah? on the show. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I can't say what that kind of attention is, but you know. You can read I have noticed his um, Instagram has gotten a little hotter. Yeah. For sure. Well, listen, you got the heat, honey. Bring in the f- yes. noise, bring in the funk. Put that pot on to boil. If you know somebody who's a bodybuilder and uh, would be a good guest on the show, uh, please uh, message them first and say, hey, I listened to this podcast. I think you would be a great guest. And then message me. Um, that way we can have a conversation because it's a lot harder for me just to cold can connect mm-hmm. with them but if you guys reach out to them first you know it, it's like it's it means it primes more. the pump well because it because it's one thing for me to say i'm awesome it's another thing for you guys to say we're awesome mm-hmm. it's a very different thing yes. very different dynamic uh, so i think you're awesome i think you're awesome too Mark. you are correct 
You only get seasick on small yachts. That's right. <laughs> is that champagne? Is it burnt? If the champagne's not your taste, try the caviar. I don't know. This is. I wouldn't know. This is Ostatrova, and I prefer Petrosian Beluga. Will you please get it right? I'm trying. I have to get cue cards for you. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening to Feast of Fun, everyone. Bye bye.